welcome to episode 34 of Hashtag No Filter. How has it been 34 episodes? I'm not sure. But I also feel like it's been 34 days of March. It's been the longest month. And uh, and I have news. I'm moving to France. No, I'm kidding. But I feel like after this episode today, that's what I want to do. Um, I got to interview the incredible rock star of a woman, Ingrid Dillamar Kenny. She lives in Monaco. So it was really cool that we were recording from America to France. I thought that was really cool. And I'm super geeky that I think that technology is so cool that I'm able to record a podcast with someone all the way in Monaco. And she had just had this like glamorous lunch and had wine and I had just woken up. But either way, Ingrid is an incredible force to be reckoned with. She is the founder of The Method and she's going to talk all about everything she does. She has an incredible, very inspiring story. And we talk a lot about the French way of life, the French way of eating, the French way of living. And basically, we all need to bring the French culture into our lives because it, it. I don't know why we're not already doing this. And therefore, I am moving to France. No, I'm not. I could not stomach the flight. Um, but anyway, it is a really great episode, really fun, so honest and real. Ingrid is just no bullshit, and that's why we get along so well. So without further ado, let's get into episode 34 of Hashtag No Filter, and here is Ingrid. Welcome, Ingrid. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited to have you. I feel like we've been talking about this for weeks, so I am so happy and just so thrilled you're here. And we're recording. You're in Monaco right now. <laughs> I'm in Monaco, and if you looked at my story right before I recorded, I'm actually like facing the sea. It's beautiful today. Oh. I am so jealous. And you've you've already like been out to lunch. I just yes. woke up. <laughs> I had wine. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I wish I was in Monaco <laughs> with you. Um, but maybe one day. But anyway, yeah. so first give a little background, your story, how you got here today. I know you have a great background, your great story. So let it yes. how did you get here? Oh my gosh, how did I get here? Well, first of all, I am both French and American. I was born in the United States um, and grew up in Miami, but lived part of my life in France, which is where my parents are from. So I'm also French. Um, and I lived in New York most of my adult life. I have three children. I have a previous marriage that I stayed in for quite some time. And ultimately, after a bout in prison, I ended up uh, going back to my normal life in New York for three more years after that, and then decided that I wanted a different life for my kids and I, and got a job in Monaco and moved to Monaco. Wow. That's, that's how I sum it up. I'll let you so when, you when, know so when did you? So when did you, when exactly did you move to Monaco? When was that? I moved to Monaco seven years ago. Seven years. So will you tell us more about the stint in prison? I know you've talked about it on your podcast, so I know you're, will you tell us about that? Of course. It's part of, listen, it's part of my story. So for about 11 years, which, you know, leads to maybe a few months ago, yeah. I was not willing to talk about it very much. And um, I was waiting for my kids to be more grown up. I was waiting for my son to be okay so I could start telling my story right. because my story is their story. Um, you know, having a parent that has gone to prison, whether they're, they were exonerated ultimately, like I was exonerated by, by an appeal, but it took a really long time. On children, it could really weigh down. So right. I had to wait until my son was 18 years old until he was accepted to law school until I knew he was okay to finally say is it okay if, you know if I share my story now and you know once right. the kids were okay I decided to come out with my story and I did so on a podcast with very close friends of mine on the city confidential right. I know you know Lauren yeah yeah um, well, I don't I wish I knew her I like know her but I don't know her in person but I love her <laughs> And I know she listened to your podcast with Jewel because I told her to listen to it oh, and she loved it. So sweet. Um, but the, the way that it led to this is that, you know, becoming a little bit more public on Instagram, on social media, mm -hmm. there's always going to be a bitch out there, some asshole that's going to come out and yeah. say, hey, you're an ex-convict. I found out. I Googled right. you, whatever. And that's exactly what happened to me. And it kind of led up to 
pushing me to own my narrative. I was going to anyways, and I'm, I was already writing a book, which will be out in 2020, in 2020 but it kind of, <laughs> so that's the one about my, you know, pretty much about my journey, my, my son's journey. And right. it kind of pushed me to kind of own my, my narrative sooner than I was going to, because I was like, no, if someone is going to start telling my story all crooked, that's not fair. That's not fair to my kids, and that's how I decided to come out and tell my real story. And so I chose to do so with Michael and Lauren because they're my close friend and yeah, gave me the safe amazing. environment to do it. Um, and ultimately, what happened? Um, I, I know you want you want a quick background on the story. I uh, when I was 20 years old, I had my firstborn, Dylan, who's now 20. Right. Um, and leading to his first year he was diagnosed with being on the spectrum of autism. Mm -hmm. And that is back in early 2000s. So what happened then was that no one really knew what autism was. You know, people had watched Rain Man. Doctors were not so sure. Uh, they wanted to put the kids through what you call early intervention, which is a very mainstream type of therapy, which doesn't really work, which means that they're pretty much telling you your child is not going to be normal for the rest of their lives and right. they'll never be highly functioning and i did not take that for an answer and found a doctor that was extremely expensive but yeah. was promising uh, miracles and that's literally what happened so i got another job i was working on uh sex in the city you were i was, uh, cool. I was an assistant yeah i was an assistant um fashion stylist and I was uh, Patricia, one of Patricia Phil's assistants on there wow. but it was I was not making enough money I was union I was not making enough money to be the therapist so I started to sell all my stuff on eBay all my clothing oh my um, and ultimately I saw that that made so much money so I started to go to places like Century 21 mm -hmm. if, if you're from New York you know what that is yeah. I got a lot of designer jeans and I would sell them and made enough money to pay for my son's therapy and then the business grew and grew and grew. I went into business with someone um, who was at first a customer, and then she became my partner. And part of the business was a little bit obscure because she's taking care of the operations. I was taking care of the sourcing of the clothing. Right. Down the line, I should have known something was wrong, but I did not pay attention because I was so focused on just paying for those therapies. Mm -hmm. I uh, then left the business after you know everything was kind of well on its way with Dylan's therapies and I continued in the fashion business and started to really do well so I stopped do selling online right um and five years down the line kind of completely forgotten that I was I even had that business online um the FBI came knocking on my door and oh my told God. me that I was being charged and indicted with non-delivery of goods and wire fraud oh my god and that was a very yeah, that was the very early days of internet fraud. So it was not as defined as today, and they could get away with a lot back then. Right. Because, you know, internet sales were a new thing. You were crossing federal lines by selling to people. Yeah. Um, so it made it into this huge crime for not such a big amount of money. Um, they gave me four years in prison. It was in Virginia where I had never been in my life. Right. That, that was like the wonders of working on the internet is that yeah. they could indict you anywhere. They could actually get a conviction, which is what happened. Um, and right. then they said that because I had two passports, I had to go to a medium to high security prison. Oh. So I went to Mar where Martha Stewart went in Connecticut, but not in the camp like her, not in Camp Cupcake, as everybody right. called it, but I was behind the bars with medium to high security inmates. Oh. And I had to wait a year for my appeal to go through to finally be exonerated and released without maybe no apology at all, I want to say. I didn't get an apology. Right. Um, and having spent a year away from my children oh. and... Um, and there you have it. And then after that, I went back to working in the fashion industry, which is very right. forgiving, very yeah. welcoming, very, you know, the, I mean, New York is the best place for mm -hmm. when something like this happens. Yeah. They love um, a story of 
you know, against all odds and all of that. So I went back to work for three years and Mm -hmm. then I decided that I was sick and tired of the United States. Uh I was still feeling so betrayed by my system, by the system of that country that I love so much. And decided that I wanted to give my kids a better life. And I got a job in Monaco and, you know, I decided to move. I got divorced and decided to move. Ingrid, that's that's amazing. I mean, you're how someone like that was a a very hard, crazy thing to go through. And you are you are just such like a an you have built this incredible business. I mean, how did you get through? Was it like years of therapy? Like, how did you get through that and come out on the other end in such an incredible way? I mean, you're such a strong, badass woman that like that didn't affect like it's amazing. Thank you. The kids, the kids give you those wings. You know, the kids do that. It's what it is. It's the yeah. driving force of the children. That's what I always say. I know I know it sounds so cliche, but it's true. You have those three little human beings looking at you and going, are we going to be okay? What right. are you supposed to do? Tell them no, no exactly. or depend on somebody? There is no one to depend on. So, right. of course, you tell your kids you're going to be okay. Right. The same way that I tell my clients to do, they're going to be okay. And then I have to stand by that word. And so yep. that's what it is. I told them we're going to be okay. And I had to be okay. And, I and you had to, to be okay. okay. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and so you, so then you're in Monaco. So will you, exa- will you talk about exactly what you do now? What is the method kind of give um, a, a, for those that aren't familiar with you, I'm sure most people are, but in case they aren't, what you do now? I'm sure they aren't. <laughs> you give me way too much credit. I'm sure a lot of people aren't. Um, so I opened the method originally in Monaco because I've always been an athlete. I was set to be a professional ballet dancer when I was oh. much younger, uh, but my body decided otherwise. So I kind of let that dream die, uh, but was always very in tune with fitness and, you know, being an athlete. Um, I had for 19 years, I had been practicing the original Pilates method. And over the course of the 19 years of that, of training with professionals for my own pleasure, um, I came to see Pilates evolving into something much more commercial that I didn't like. So with my, I want to say with my fitness, um, education that I already had and my capabilities, I created this method over the course of 19 years that was based on the foundation of Pilates. Um, And I practiced it for myself. And when I arrived in Monaco, I worked for Fashion TV for a while and I really didn't like that job. Mm -hmm. Um, And throughout that time, I would go to all types of, you know, gyms and fitness studios and really found that they were so delayed when it came to anything fitness. Um, All my friends were like, you need to open something. You need to teach this method that you do. I mean, you have three kids, look at your body, uh, look at what you do. And so I decided to give it a try and I had a day job, but at night I started to patent my movement. And after two and a half years, I was able to patent 348 unique movements around a piece of equipment that was not meant for Pilates originally. And the method was born. And I opened a fitness um, Pilates studio in in Monaco that was called The Method. Now, that's not what The Method is today. Today, The Method is much more than that. Because I noticed that by giving the fitness uh, to my, my clients in Monaco, there was a significant aspect of the whole experience that was missing. They were going out and not really knowing what to eat, how to eat, how to drink, how to live the lifestyle in the South of France, which is, you know, very leisure-like, which means Mm -hmm. that you drink, you you eat, everything revolves around social gathering and going out. And that was making people's results difficult, even though, you know, the fitness aspect was very effective. So I decided to add the whole lifestyle um and nutrition aspect to it and so today the method is actually fitness wellness lifestyle and there's even a little brand that came and latched on called simply gangster chic yes. which is the little brand that ha- that's the little brand that's growing now yes and that's where you the simply inulin that's where all that is yes right. exactly Amazing. And also it's sold at the Beverly Hills Hotel, I see. 
So it is not sold at the Beverly Hills Hotel yet. It will be in about three weeks. Oh, uh, oh it's not even yet. Time. Oh. Not yet. We announced it. We pre-sold it. Got it. Uh, on our website, but we did a limited edition for them uh, because our thank you card that we were originally sending sending to our to all our customers all over the world had beautiful palm trees, which was a reminder of the south of France. Yeah. And then someone reached out to me and said, um, "You know, you're using the same kind of palm trees as the Devil Hills Hotel." And then I was talking to Lauren from the Skinny Confidential, and she said, well, you know, if you reached out, if you reached out to them and showed them that you actually use the palm trees as well, they might want to, uh, they might want to carry simply in your land. And right. she was absolutely right. Lauren is always right either way, <laughs> uh, but she's absolutely right. And that's exactly what happened when they showed that we could actually put uh, our palm tree on the label and wow. do a limited edition for them. They said yes, we'll carry it. So that is they'll so have cool. it for a very limited time and a yeah. small quantity. But we will we will carry it as well at the same time, so people that can go to the Rose Hills can get it from us. Got it. And I actually I told you last week or whenever it was, I ordered my Simply Inulin, and I'm like dying yeah. for it to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> waiting <laughs> but I'm excited so for those that um don't know in a nutshell for those that don't know what inulin is and the, the benefits can you explain that absolutely so Great. inulin um I, I keep on saying that now because I realized that there was this so much information about fiber these days and I yeah. know that for example you know all about it and Joel yeah. talks about fiber all the time yeah. Lauren talks about fiber so when I put inulin on the market, I originally put it on the market because I was using it as a source of fiber after getting super bloated and tired from Gigi crackers. Oh. And I was like marketing it as fiber because that's what it is. It's a soluble fiber, which is great. And so you rip all the benefits of fiber, but inulin is actually much more than that. And so today when I talk about it, the first thing I say is, First of all, it's a prebiotic. Mm -hmm. And first of all, it is a type of food because it's food. It's ours is sourced from um, Jerusalem artichoke food. And that's not artichoke. Uh, it, it's a different type of vegetable. Of course, it's from the, fam the artichoke family. Right. It's called an FOS, the fructo oligosaccharide. Uh -huh. um, and besides all of the uh, effects and benefits of fiber, it most importantly, feeds your good gut bacteria. Mm -hmm. So those little bugs are happy. Your gut is happy, which means that that helps a lot with digestion. It helps a lot with getting satiated. It helps a lot with craving the right kind of food rather than always having unhealthy cravings. Right. And it helps with things like uh, IBS and Crohn's disease and things like that. Got it. Got it. In a and nutshell. In a, nut in a nutshell, but there's obviously so much more info, but in a nutshell. And in terms of, I guess, like segueing into, you know, kind of the French way of eating and, and dieting in general, yeah. or if you even like to say the word dieting, I feel like I, for so I, I've read books, I mean, a while ago about how French girls don't get fat. <laughs> and I hate using the word yes. fat, but True. what, what, is it like what is your take I guess and especially I know in American culture you're aware of like these crazy fad diets and people can't you know of just course. gain weight lose weight gain weight lose weight what is your take on dieting on fad diets and like on losing weight and just keeping it off and not having to fucking deal with diets ever again <laughs> so here is this thing that's the whole thing about the method and the reason why I called my brand simply gangster chic um has to do with that it's yeah. ultimately an anti-diet lifestyle so recently someone said well if i have a new lane will i lose weight and i answered no because right. this american mentality which by the way i'm very familiar with because don't forget i've lived and grew up right. in the state my whole life so uh i i know the mentality and i also grew up with the french mentality because my parents in our household kept it very much alive so yeah. when I arrived in Monaco, I, I kind of started looking around me and went, I don't understand. People here drink more, they eat more fat, 
they spend a lot more time at the table and yeah. they are a lot less concerned about diet and yet they're much skinnier. They yes. smoke, they drink, they, like what the fuck is going on? And for me, I didn't realize that all that stuff was second nature to me. I never wondered about fat in the content of my food. I never knew how to count calories. I never understood what's behind med carbs. I still don't. I always say it. If I wanted to add shit up, I'd be a fucking accountant. <laughs> and I'm definitely not an accountant. <laughs> that was my favorite line from that podcast of yours. Because you're right. It's so fucking annoying. <laughs> it, it is annoying. And it's like, it's so stressful. And so I started to really look at it. And because I am a, an ex-ballet dancer, I'm also very in tune with hormones and fitness. Right. Let me explain. When you are a ballet dancer, which I was until the age of 16, at a professional level, you have very disrupted period, which is completely normal because of the, you know, the level of, of, of um, ac- body activity that you put right. your body through. And also the little amount of food that you can eat because you're literally on your point all day long and you just cannot eat heavy food. It's not that that I was on a diet. I just had a very small appetite because of all this physical activity and the need to feel light on my feet, light on my toes in that case. Right. Um, And so my period at that age would kind of like go in and out. And each time I would go to the doctor, the doctor would look at my mom and say, well, it's either she's going to be very fertile because you're going to stop her from becoming a ballet dancer, or she will have issues with fertility and with being, you know, hormonally balanced um, the whole time that she will pursue this career. Ultimately, my body made a different choice for me because I grew really heavy chest, which was not okay. And at first, I wore Velcro bands around my chest, and I hid it from, you know, from my instructor. And and my mom, at some point, ratted me out. So that kind of was like the the thing that kind of decided that I was not going to be a ballet dancer. Um, And also scoliosis, but that's another story. And so I became so in tune with like, okay, wait a second. So when you put your body under stress, whether it is with food or deducting food out of your diet or calorie deficit or very, very heavy physical activity, you lose your period. This is something that stayed with me my whole life. Obviously, you know, I had children, so I was no longer worried about being, you know, fertile or anything like that. But coming into this business, I started to look at it from that standpoint, like started to work with women coming to me saying, I don't understand. I was doing cross training. I've been going to boot camp, something that is really popular in the south of France because of all the outdoors opportunities that you have to like literally go to boot camp outdoors by the sea. It's gorgeous. Right. And all these women were coming to me like, I was the last thing they were willing to try short of ex- exorcism to finally get the body they wanted. They yeah. tried everything, diet, boot camp, cross training, you name it, everything. you know, yeah. spinning, everything. And so I started to look at it and go, okay, I think we're looking at this whole thing the wrong way because I see French people sitting around lounging at the table for two hours at lunch, even though it's a, tw- it's a Tuesday. Um, taking the time to have dinner with their family. It's like, it's, it's a big, you know, it's a big thing to have dinner. You don't just sit at the counter waiting for your kids to have their dinner and picking their plate, waiting for your husband to come so you can eat later with him. In right. France, it's like everybody gets home, everybody sits down, you have a sit-down dinner, wow. the plates are set on the table, you have china, you have, you know, your cutlery. I realized that all of this had to do with a hormone called cortisol, which is your stress hormone. Right. So I started noticing that the French paradox, as we call it in the United States, a whole, the whole thing had to do with the way that the French live the eating experience and the way that they feel about food and the courtesy that they give to their body when it's time to eat. That is the reason why they're not gaining weight, even when they're consuming more olive oil than the typical American would. And that is because your cortisol level, which is a stress hormone that doesn't necessarily have to do with anxiety or with having fights with someone or, 
you know, dealing with someone being aggressive. The stress can come from your digestive, your digestive system. It can come from the noises around you. If you go into a very noisy environment, if you go in a gym where it's really dark, there is no sunlight and the, you know, very harsh music sounds are pumping, all of that can contribute to rising your cortisol. And when your cortisol rises, so let's say you eat a raw carrot and you wonder why you feel so heavy afterwards, it's because a raw carrot is hard to digest, which makes your cortisol level goes up, go up. And when your cortisol level goes up, you can build something called insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is something that will cause that stubborn fat deposit around the midsection, right. which I usually call the hormonal you know, that hormonal part of your body where people gain weight. So when I see women that spin or women that run or women that do heavy weight and they can have, for example, skinny legs, but their midsection still looks inflated, very often I'll say that's hormones. They're probably wow. running their body on very high cortisol levels, which French, French people don't do. I was you just go gonna to the post yeah. office. And like you could fight with the postman about something and he's going to look at you and he's going to go, bye, and he's going to close his window. He's not even going to argue with you. Wow. He's going to ignore you. He's not going to care. That's amazing. It's amazing. So there is, do you, do you not get stressed or like how do you handle it when you do get stressed or do you just not? So I used to, when I first arrived, even though I knew the whole, I, and, I, I, and I applied it with my kids. My mom was very insistent on the whole ceremony of dinner. Everybody sits, everybody, well, at the time there was no phones, but everybody puts everything down. If the right. phone rang, my mother did not answer the phone wow. at dinner time. And if it was a friend of ours that would keep on calling, she would go to the phone, answer and go, don't you have dinner with your parents? Don't you know it's rude to call at 8 p.m. during dinner time? Wow. That's how it is in French households. You don't call people between 12 and 2 if it's for work. Right. You don't call people at 8 p.m. Like yesterday, you know, someone, Gilles wanted to call someone, and I said, well, I don't think you should call them. It's dinner time. You should not call them. Right, So right. it's like this whole thing where... At first, as an American, when I arrived and everybody was going to lunch, I was looking at them like, where the fuck are you guys going? What's wrong with you? Right. And people would say, well, who are you, who are you having lunch with today? And I was like, I don't know, my fucking computer? Like, what, yeah. where are well, you guys going? Yeah. This is not a vacation. People eat lunch at their but day. I mean, ultimately, yeah. yeah. But in France, you can't do that. So it took me a little while to adjust. But now, if someone told me, I'll meet you at one for a business meeting, I will try tell them to go fund themselves because it's, it's become amazing. part of my mentality. Right. So and like, it's amazing. So you can't wow. really be stressed because there's no one to be stressed with. Not right. Working. Because yesterday, you know? it's, it's so funny. Yesterday, I was at lunch with two of my girlfriends, and they were talking about their nighttime routines and that they one of them sits in front of the TV with her husband, and that's their dinner time. Their son, I think, is already in bed, and the other, I believe, sits around the table. But you guys, I bet you never watch TV and eat, right? Never. No, never. that's super rude. We absolutely wow. don't. Unless we do, like, you'll do that on a Saturday. Like, okay, let's do, you know, like, pasta with a movie. But that's like a treat. During wow. the week, we actually sit at a table. So there's a huge thing with that that I learned from my mom. And I used to be like, what drug is my mother on? Like, what is she saying? I used to sit at the table. And if both of my forearms were not on the table, or I dared having one hand on my leg and the other one holding my fork, she would look at me and say, you need to sit straight, put your hands on the table, or you're going to be fat. And I oh. used to look at her like, is she on drugs? What the heck is she saying? But you know what? It turns out that after studying this so much, she was absolutely right. You actually sit on your couch to have dinner. Wow. You're putting your hand on your, on your leg. Yep. And the other hand is on the table. You're all crooked. You're kind of obstructing your digestion. And wow. this causes your cortisol levels to go up. And this causes a difficult digestion. So technically, she was absolutely right. Sitting yeah. at the table, at the tip of your chair, sitting straight, putting both of your forearms on the table, not your elbows, actually helps a lot with digesting your food and keeping your cortisol levels low while you're eating. It's all makes sense. So etiquette, yeah. like French etiquette, actually is all about doing stuff that are healthy and keep you skinny. Who yes. would have thought? 
I mean, and so would you, would you say like, would you kind of call, is it another way of saying intuitive eating or do you not even call it that like intuitive yes. eating? And in, yes. Like in the sense where I just yes. feel like, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I need to go live in France for like a year and fucking like get, get in their culture. Like it's crazy. You got, it's amazing like, because there's a reason that all French people look good. No one's, ob- is there any, or is anyone, is the obesity rate like anything there? Like there's probably no obese people. Okay. So the obesity rate is unfortunately rising oh. and I'll tell you why the obesity rate is rising because France is now introducing a lot of American culture restaurants, which we never had before. So the newer generation is watching TV. You know, they're watching all of these shows on TV. And when it comes to France, like they see, for example, KFC, they get all excited. But the old time, you know, generation or the people like me that were educated by parents that were extremely traditional, Um, we're keeping the tradition alive. And it would never even come to my mind to stop at a KFC in France. Because I look at it like, anyways, it's not going to be the same thing than than in the States. I went to to Ireland two years ago to to a U2 concert, and we walked by a Dunkin' Donuts, and I got so excited. I looked at Jill, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm going to sound so fucking American, but I want some glazed munchkins. I wanted the glazed munchkins and we went in there and I ordered my glazed munchkins and he was looking at me like, what the heck is wrong with her? (laughs) I ate one and I looked at him and I'm like, that's disgusting. It doesn't sound, it doesn't taste the same. The the food was just not the same. So the way that they bring this, these franchises in Europe, you know, makes this generation, the new generations, very attracted to it because anything American in France for the new generation is very Hollywood. They like it. Isn't you know, it? those Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts and yep. whatever. But the generations like me, or I hope my daughter, because I'm so traditional in the way that I, you know, that I raised them, yeah. um, is less likely to do that. And my daughter looks at Starbucks and she goes, oh, so American. I still prefer to go sit at a cafe and have a small espresso. Right. So, oh you know, the, the obesity rate is on the rise in France, but it is so much lower than it is in yes. America. Well, everything in America. For this is reason. Su- yes. I mean, everything is supersized. There's a restaurant literally down my street where they have delicious salads, but they could feed an, uh, an army. They could feed 12 people. They're massive. The portions are massive. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Exactly. So is it, is it really like if people, people that want to lose weight, they can fuck counting the calories screw you know writing in fucking notebooks you know food logs and just like intuitively eat eat sitting at the table and not be distracted when you eat (laughs) right this is what I did I'm like you know what like you said before it's intuitive eating don't think about it so much just think is this chic and that has worked wonders for so many of my, you know, my listeners, for so many of my followers, even the people that I don't talk to every day or that I don't guide every day, they're like, it makes so much sense. I look at my plate, I think, is this chic? Would the French person appreciate having a stack of pancakes in front of them, even though very often in the States now, they're making all of these substitutes and, and, you know, diet pancakes and diet muffins and whatever. And so they stack them because they want to do diet so they can quantify it. So I yeah. tell people, I'm like, instead of this quantifying mentality, really think chic. Simple is chic. The French, everything is less is more. So look at your plate and think, does this quantity look chic? If your yeah. plate doesn't look chic, then you shouldn't be eating it. That's the bottom line. I love it. I'm going to start asking myself, is this chic? Like, for example, last night we're at a Mexican food restaurant with friends. I I probably ate my weight in fucking tortilla chips and queso. That you would not do, correct? Like, what would you do in that scenario? Would would you even eat the chips at all? Yes, I would eat the chips, but this is what I usually do. And it's happened to me. The south of France is very cosmopolitan, so they cater a lot to foreigners. Yeah. And some places are becoming more in tune with the foreigners' needs than staying true to the Mediterranean culture. Mm-hmm. So what happens when that happens to me, when they bring me this plate, a huge plate with like a too big protein portion or too yeah. much rice 
or whatever, I will not offend because French people get very offended at any type of criticism. Yeah. I will not offend my waiter. I will accept my plate and say, can I have a small plate, please? And he will bring the small plate. I'll take the big plate, put it on the side, and I will serve myself a chic portion. And the way that I do it, I just take the size of my hand because I cannot count for shit. You know that. Right. I can't do math. I hate fucking math. I'm not going to bring a fucking scale with me to know how many grams I'm eating, <laughs> you know? It's right. Like, so you don't. So, so you I'm don't. Like, okay. <laughs> right. Right. You know, so just a chic portion, the size of my hand. So I take the size of my hand in my protein portion, the size of my hand in my fiber portion. And if I want a starch, which sometimes I, sometimes I do, I either have it as an appetizer in a small size plate appetizer. Right. And I say, okay, this is my treat. This is what I want. And then as the main course, I'm actually going to have what brings me real nutrition. So if I want pasta, I'm going to have it. But I will have it, for example, as a shared appetizer with my husband. Got it. And it's fantastic because yeah. you're happy. Yeah. But you know you're not eating pasta for nutrition. There's no nutrition in pasta. Right. It's pleasure. And to me, as a French person, pleasure is key. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, you do, so you're saying you don't count like when people are like, I want, you should be eating, I don't even know the right numbers, three or six ounces of chicken. You don't count that at all, right? Like. Not no, a, I don't no. fucking know what that looks like. You can see me when I'm baking. <laughs> I love it. I love you. I love this no mentality. Way. It's it's just it makes sense. Like it just makes sense. And so what? And you are? I assume you are. And I think I heard in your, one of your podcasts you are not aunt, or maybe you are anti writing in journals or food logs or. Oh my god! Okay. Yes, <laughs> I make fun of it all the time. I'm like. Why are you logging your food? Do you want your great-grandchildren to go, oh, Grandma Tilly <laughs> ate a carrot on Tuesday, January 24th, 2018. Like, what the fuck are you journaling your food I'm... for? <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah, no, it, ma it makes sense. The like, only that... thing I ever journaled was my first kiss, and that was something nice. So, right, right. You know. that's different. That's different. That's not the food you're eating. I love it. I mean, if everyone would just, like, take this this mindset and this mentality with them there would everyone would look how they want to look no one would have to worry about losing weight I or think dieting so. yeah it's amazing so yeah. you're obviously um as we were just saying like you're very much like fuck that i'm not going to do that you're very you're no bullshit that's why we love each other you're no bullshit you're very real how do you deal with any negative backlash or any shit you i mean if you put yourself out on the internet me you anyone you're going to get backlash how do you yeah. handle it you do so I used to think, block them, ignore them. That's their problem, not your problem. But I realized that day in, day out, this person is going to put out their issue on you. And if you let them, either they will continue doing it or someone else will feel comfortable doing it. I have a very different approach than most influencers. And I'm not a big influencer at all. So I can imagine that doing what I do would be impossible for someone like Lauren, for example. Right. Lauren, she told me she just ignores them. She blocks them or I don't do that. I feel like I have a responsibility as a role model to my daughter yep. and to my son who was bullied a lot when he was younger, not oh. on the internet, but, you know, being on the spectrum yeah. of autism, but still going through a normal school the kids that were deemed normal that as far as i'm concerned being an asshole is not being normal but whatever right. you know i fought that a lot for him and i told him it's not okay to be bullied nope. and we fight back and we did very often so having preached that with my own children why would i even ignore someone that's going to try to bully me so what i do when someone bullies me i actually I, I ridicule them. I take screenshots of their bullying. Uh -huh. I tag them and I post it on my story. And once I've done that, it's like, you know what? Now I've put it out in the universe. People can look at it. People can deal with it. People can talk to that person. I know once this person can look at their behavior for what, what, it, what it is, I can just, you know, forget about it. Right. So that's one way that I deal with it. I expose it. And I have to tell you, since I've been doing that, a lot of people are afraid to fuck with me. Oh, so, so if right. someone is doing this to you, 
you go head on and you give them a lot of shit about how ugly they are on the inside. Right. And it works. Right. It really And works. so do you then um, respond back to them as well? Or that's just how what you do? Like you post their thing and... Or, no, I don't. If I ever do, I will do it in a public way so I can get my audience and my tribe to come in. Right. Like... At the very beginning, before I told my story, there was this person who considers herself my competition, which we're not, but whatever, right. who started going, well, why would anybody trust you? You are a ex-convict and whatever. And, and I knew that and this they was publicly a reflection of who this person is. Yes, publicly on my Instagram. And at first, I got very worried about my kids because it's never nice for kids to have to say something like that. I know all their friends follow me. Right. You know, all of Savannah, who's, who's almost 18, all of her girlfriends follow me. They're making our brioche. They, you know, they tell her, oh, we made your mom's omelette yesterday. Aww. I know all of these kids are watching and I don't want to bring embarrassment to my children. So what I did was I did not erase it. I said, you know what? I'm going to own the narrative. Yep. I answered and I said, yes, this is what happened to me, but not the way that you're saying it. This and this and this happened. But you know what? We will let my audience decide if they care that I went to prison, if that changes the way that they feel about the advice that I give them as far as wellness. Right. And that's exactly what happened. My audience read my answer. Yep. A lot of people said, Ingrid, you should not answer this person. You don't owe any apology to anyone. You know? And it, I was just, it was, I realized being transparent and authentic about it and saying, you know what? Yes, I was embarrassed about it. Yes, this is not a path I'm, I'm proud of. But this is where what it did for me. This is where it got me. Right. And if someone wants to own the narrative of my story, I'm not going to let them so right. come out. But I don't I don't necessarily address them directly. I just give them a mirror of what they're doing and right. see how they like it right. in a way. Well, because you would you. Um, that's you, one way yeah. of dealing with it. Yeah. A question for you. Would you like because you wouldn't go like you don't bully people like you don't why would you stand for it if no. you don't do it to others <laughs> like why right no right right the bottom line is unless someone fucks with me i would never take any of my valuable time to go fuck with them right. i don't understand that i don't understand that mentality right. you know if i don't like someone's face i'm just gonna swipe and go somewhere else yeah. but i'm not gonna write to them oh look at your face why don't you get a nose job i i it it's I don't understand it. No, I, I you know yeah. often I will, I will say to, it's happened to a friend of mine who's, you know, she's super popular and beautiful and she's on Instagram and people wrote to her something like, Oh, I can't stand you or I can't stand what? her or something like that. And, and I'm, you know what, at that point, obviously it's her issue, not yours, but still don't let her get away with it because if people saw you on the street, they would not do that. Right. Well, that's the thing. People hide behind a screen. People think they're anonymous, even though they're not. There yeah. are people with feelings on the other side. And I just don't understand. I, th I feel yeah. like people need to just stay in their lane, focus on their shit and like worry about like there's enough room for all of us. Like there's enough room for all of us to succeed. Like, you know, people are just crazy. <laughs> that's what it is. Exactly. Oh, so the best way to not give a fuck is to actually expose them and then let them deal with the backlash of their stupidity right. now that's one way of dealing with it i dealt with different types of hate like you know my business the wellness business is very crowded but there's room for everyone yeah. but unfortunately in fitness and wellness people get this huge ego and i call it the napoleon complex because yeah. they get this huge ego where they forget that the hero of the story when you work in wellness it's not you. It's the person whose health and wellness you're actually improving. Exactly. People that are in wellness are forgetting that, and they tend to be a little bit bullies as well, or copying you, which has been one of my huge issues in my business. Yeah. And that I deal with a different way. The people that copy me upset me for five minutes, but once I get copied, I realize that I need that I'm I'm late. I'm like, if this person is copying me, it means I'm I need to move on to the next best thing. Right. And then there'll always be two steps behind. So that's another way of dealing with that. There's a lot of issues online. Yeah. There's the beauty of it. Like you and I met and we yes. instantly like fell in love yes. with each other. And I've made incredible connections. And I know you have as well because yeah. I watch your stories and I watch your love stories with some of some friends you made on Instagram. Oh, yeah. But there is, you know, 
there's a little black box of shit also that you have to deal with unfortunately always and you have to have a thick skin and and do like you have it's like it's almost like you have a system in place like look if someone's going to give you shit you know what you're going to do like you're not going to right and you're going to keep and you're and they're going to I mean you're going to have the last laugh I mean you're the one that's like you know doing a a thing with Beverly Hills Hotel I mean you're you're killing it in Monaco so people can people can fuck off looking at it so what would you say mind their business mind exactly everyone just should mind their business um what would you say and maybe it's something you've already said you know in this conversation what advice would you give to your younger self to my younger self I would definitely um I would definitely say to listen to my parents more I've gone back so so much Mm-hmm. Uh, into ancient wisdom and into the very uh, conservative and traditional education that my parents have given me. Mm-hmm. And all of the best tools that I have today to help my clients, to help my audience, uh, to, to do my podcast are based on very old-fashioned you know, advice and a trait that I got from my mother and from my grandmother. So I would, I would definitely say, you know what, listen to those people. They, they know better than we do. We, we learn so much. We advance so much more than yeah. we were maybe 30 years ago, but in the, you know, in this crazy fast paced, um, I want to say learning thing that life is today with the technology, the research, Everything is so advanced that we tend to kind of first leave our intuition on the shelf and we let other people and gurus and specialists and influencers tell us what to eat, what to think, what we like, what we don't like. And by the same token, we really forget like the old fashioned wisdom. And I think that's a big mistake because it is really something today that is working well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I love that. So that's and, definitely what I would say to my youngest self. <laughs> I love that. And what is a, what is a, and maybe it goes along the lines of that. What is a favorite quote or motto or something you try to live by every day and try to like con- constantly instill in your kids? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> Coming out with the hard questions. <laughs> you know what? No, it's a good one. That's one that I just, I actually just posted today, but I often say to my kids, uh, leading with kindness is very important. So I always tell my kids, and I posted about it today because one of my friends posted it, and that's something I always say to myself. Did you make someone happy today? I love and that. And that's really, like, if you could make one person happy, then you did good. And, you know, when the kids go to school, for example, and they come back and like, ah, oh, my teacher, what an asshole, or this kid said this, it said that. I always say to them, like, but let me ask you a question. Did you make someone's day today? Did you Aww. say something kind to someone? Did you help someone that needed help? You know, did you send a nice message to your grandmother? Like anything. Did you make someone happy yeah. today? If you have, then you did good. I love that. I love that. I love that. You have so many, it's like, cool. words of wisdom I'm taking away from this episode myself. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, That's because I'm like an old lady. No, no, but you're also very well, you're well-traveled. You've had a lot of life experience. You've you're a huge researcher. Like I know, according to your Instagram, I know, and I'm just knowing you, you read a lot. Like you're just very, you, you know, a lot of shit. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I should. Okay. So here are some fun questions that I always like to wrap up with. Um, So who, if there was a movie made about your life, who would play you? Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yes. Yes. I love her. And what would the movie be called? You know why? Why? Tell me why. Ugh, because um, as I'm writing the book uh, that that about my life, about, you know, my journey. Right. We, uh, I was talking to my good friend, Dara, who is, you know, going to be my publicist in this whole journey. And the first thing she said when she heard my story the first time, she said, mark my words, there will be a movie made about this and oh. so when I hang up the phone with her I looked at my kids and I looked at Gila and I was like oh my god like who looks like my younger self and you know and and so Savannah my daughter goes well how about those cheeks like who are you gonna find with those fucking cheeks of yours <laughs> and <laughs> and we were looking and then I watched a movie with Jennifer Lawrence where she's like this young Russian ballerina 
I don't know. I don't remember the name of the movie, but she suffers quite a bit in this movie. Yeah. And then she comes out on top so gracefully, but she's also much younger than I am. Yeah. Um, and I and we said we said, oh, Jennifer Lawrence would be great, prettier than me, but I'll oh, take stop! It, you're you know? gorgeous. I love I love Jennifer so, Lawrence. Oh. So that's how we came up with her. That was that was an easy one because we already thought about <laughs> it. What would the movie be called? Fuck my life. Yeah. I like it. I like you. There could be a movie. Your story is incredible. There could definitely be a movie made about you for sure. Maybe. I'm going to be at the premiere. Um, what? Okay. If you, if you could have, I'll dress you for the premiere. <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming in. If you could, um, if you could have drinks or a meal or anything with anyone living or dead, who would it be? My dad. He passed away. Oh, that's sweet. I'm sorry. That would... I'd love to have a cigar. And some Johnny Walker Gold with him because that's what he likes. So I would love to share a glass of Johnny yeah. Walker Gold with him Aww, I love and, and smoke a cigar with him. I love that. And by the way, I love that you smoke cigars. I saw that in your Instagram. I'm like, you are yes, such a I badass. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, we can thank my dad for that. Aww. My dad really got me into cigars. Aww. So I love that. That's so nice. That's so nice. What about, okay, if you could have a dream, like, um, a dream client, a dream, you know, someone to, you know, get wind of your products and who would it be? Like someone you're just like dying to work with. Oh my God. Someone that I'm dying to work with. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm, I would be between probably between a professional athlete Yeah. or I don't know about someone so famous, but pro- pro- probably a professional athlete. Yeah. I want to say, Maybe Serena Williams. Yes. That would be awesome. Well, if Serena Williams is listening. (laughs) Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Her mental, her, the way she grew up to be such an athlete and, you know, her, I would love to work with someone like her. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Amazing. Oh, I love this. I don't want this conversation to end, but we're going to be doing a podcast together for yes, podcast very podcast. soon. Um, okay, yes. so tell everyone before we totally wrap up, where can everyone find you on Instagram, your website, your products? Tell everyone all that. Okay, so Instagram, it's my whole name. I hope you're going to put that in the show. I am, yes. Quite long. <laughs> <laughs> I am but definitely. In- Good, because it's quite long. I don't think people will catch this for me saying it, but it's at Ingrid de la Marcani. Um, on Instagram and there's also an Instagram for the method where you can see all of the moves. It's the method.mc, MC stands for Monaco. Um, and we have a website also, also, also called the method.mc.com and to see a little bit more of our gangster chic simply line, um, you can look up on Instagram as well. It's called simply gangster chic. Love it. And they can order from there yes. and everything's there. Yeah, they can order on the on the methodmc.com website. Everything is on there. Perfect. Oh, well, this was so fun. Thank you so much, Ingrid, for being so open and honest. And Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. You're just such a badass. I'm so excited. We're literally about to record right now for Ingrid's. But um, thank you yes. so much. So everyone follow Ingrid. Um, and I will put all of those links in the show notes, of course. And as always, you can follow me at Julie Lauren 14 And thanks, Ingrid. Okay. All right. Thank, thank you. Thanks. Bye.